0: Someone's got the number on you. It
1: takes a lot to make a stew, a pinch of salt and laughter, too. A scoop of kids to have the spice, a love to make it nice. And you got
2: too many, cooks, too, many cooks, too, many cooks, too many cooks, too many cooks, too many cooks, too
3: many cooks. Welcome back to the podcast. Um this time we're talking about the community side of uh, things on the West Coast. Um,
1: Cameron. I'm <laughs> um, the classic Ryan Harris.
3: What makes you the classic?
1: I mean, I'm on almost every time, right?
3: Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying, yeah. Assistant. Oh, and
2: uh, Krager.
3: Um, And then also with me in person, I have... I'm failing to meet expectations. Failing to Meet Expectations, Grant Rose. Um, and And Karee's Jenny Yu. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Let's start talking about what just happened a week ago, which it honestly feels like it happened a long time ago. Hey, hey, uh, it, just, oh, it feels you,
1: like it's been so long.
3: But, Holy shit. Yeah. Um, the main takeaways were that there were seven bids given out nine teams um so it was pretty much already a given that everyone is going to go to nationals um but a couple teams and i think i think regionals was nothing particularly special as everyone has been saying but i feel like regionals said a lot about west quidditch uh and we'll get into west quidditch specifically in a little bit but let's recap the teams really quick and how they did it at regionals and what what that kind of says about them Um, Let's start off with the, I have the list by Alphabet and uh, Arizona Scorpions are number one. So they didn't show up because they didn't have enough people uh, as far as I understood. Uh, The Breakers. Let's talk about the Breakers because that was um, one of the teams that, so Breakers formed because Scrooge disbanded as a team and and a bunch of their players combined with a bunch of other Bay Area players um, joined together to kind of make a a solid team up there, down there, um, up there. Uh,
1: up there for, for
3: yeah, over up. there, over there. Um, All the input, Gregor. Thanks,
2: Dan. Need to call my quota.
3: So, they had a pretty good day one and they went undefeated. Um, and uh, who did they play? Let's see. They played farmers and beat them out of range. They beat Cascadia out of range. Um, although Cascadia did put up 60 points on them, um, and uh. Breakers beat Dobbies out of range, and they beat Vipers out of range. So it was a pretty easy schedule, day one, although Vipers did give people trouble. So that was a comfortable win for them. They caught it in 1938-5, so a minute and a half. Um, How do we feel about Breakers? Because we played them first game, and that was actually the only game that Gambit's played in range. And it was, in fact, a tie game uh, when Snitch was caught, if I'm not mistaken. So what did you guys think of Breakers?
2: I think one of the reasons why we really struggled at the start against Breakers is that they actually had a really solid beater core that we weren't used to the first day. Yeah. Like, Miles and Duran specifically, I know, have, like, a pretty good range and accuracy that you don't see very much.
3: And they're quick enough that they, they use their up balls and then they recover control and keep control very well.
0: Mm-hmm. Compared to the other
3: games, I never felt like we had a lot
0: of openings. Like, like even when we had an opening... Like, you'd start your drive, and then all of a sudden someone would be there and you'd have a beater back. <laughs> right. Whereas other teams would be like, oh no, no beaters, just run it in and mm-hmm. you know, score. I feel like that's always been...
4: That was always the weakness with the scroots was that they only had Miles. That was like a really top-level beater that could hang with other teams. And when he was tired or injured or subbed out, uh, you could just kind of overwhelm them in the beater game. But they added, they added Hugo Carroz from uh, San Jose and then Misa Elizondo from Vipers, and Duran, Allison. Uh, so now they've got a really legit, uh, especially male, beating core up there for him.
3: Mm-hmm. I think I also have someone like Shirley, who has show hands.
2: Um, Shirley I, Lou. You yeah, like, remember those last names, bro. Yeah,
3: yeah. You're right. <laughs> Duran, Allison. Uh, No, they have Shirley and they have Carlos Pickett uh, who also plays behind hoops so they usually, I feel like, had Carlos and that would give them an option out back and as long as you marked them, it was pretty controlled uh, because that was the only option that was being used, but now they suddenly have two options behind hoops that are very reliable, will finish every single time Um, Mm -hmm. and that really throws the keeper for a loop because now you need to put someone and the keeper on their attention, which means you're taken away from the shot and they have, I mean... All their ball carriers have a decent mid-range, um, so you really need to be making sure that the hoops are guarded. Um, and they're slow enough that the what the fuck, Mario? Um, They're slow enough that they that they can take time and like calibrate their shot very well. Um, it's not like a forced shot very often. It's like a hundred percent, this is going in shot. Um, and I think like 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 you mentioned, they just even on defense recovered control. Uh, not recovered control, but at least recovered a bludger right away and then would make stops and use it. Like, I've always found scroots to not use the control that they managed to get, and this team somehow manages to use the control and retrieve it and offensively use their options well. Yes, yeah, so they, were, they were walking up with two every time.
0: So you had to send so many people at point, mm-hmm. you had to double team point just to get through the beaters, but then you always left surely open. So, I think the Gambits' result might have been their best of the weekend, even though it was
4: like a loss, because that was by far the closest that anyone came to beating you guys, right? Yeah, no one else is in range of the catch, mm-hmm. and Margo caught in like five seconds. Like, yeah. know, Forrest and Nugo are both yeah. pretty, pretty decent seekers. Could have gone either way.
3: <laughs> yeah, a tie game is a tie game, and it's on a snitch catch. Um, they seem they lost a uh, um, they lost to the Raptors in an overtime game, and they lost to. Um, uh the Lost Boys. So I don't know. I mean you obviously what
0: happened in that game, in the Lost Boys game?
3: I didn't watch the Lost Boys game. I'm not entirely sure why they lost, but um it looks like they were Lost Boys were almost out of range when they were caught. So um I mean offensively, Lost Boys are a far more slower team. At least we the like Gambit's played very fast. I feel like we forced a lot of our offenses against them, which might have hurt us. Um and we also started off slow. We're like, we were down four or five at some point. 5-0, like yeah. 4 five. It was four five, it was five. of. was. They were out of. Yeah, I think I, they were out of
0: Yeah, I
4: got to the field when it was 4-0, and then they scored again. It was 5 them to start. That was like the exact opposite of when we first met them.
3: That's very true. Like When we first played them, it was a completely different game. But we were also missing all our male beaters. So that's also to be taken into consideration in terms of. That tournament, the way we played, was very different than the way Gambits play in general.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but I don't know. Nationally, I feel like this team will just give teams that don't have like talented beaters trouble. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't know. Day two, yes. Um, but beyond that, I think it's just going to come down to the matchups. And I think it'll
2: definitely I, benefit that, like, nationally, they're not really well known. Yeah. So that they're going to be under, uh, what's the word, oh, fuck that word where like you
1: expect someone to not do well. English is hard. <laughs> I, think, I think they're smart enough to play slow enough to catch a team off guard, and if they could catch a team like QCB or Warriors or maybe a team even like Lone Star and just play them slow enough, and then Ugo can catch that snitch.
3: I just also don't know if this is a team that can handle an intimidation factor. From a Southwest team, like I think, like West teams just play scared against Southwest teams. Period. Like I think I've just noticed that consistently, and I don't think Breakers is a team that's going to break that mold. Um, yeah,
1: just if their beaters can keep them in it, and they can play slow enough. I mean, if the other team makes one or two or three mistakes in eighteen minutes, it's pretty hard to put a team out of range if they play slow and you make three mistakes. So,
3: I just, I just, I just don't see this team beating anyone in a top ten uh, in the top ten.
1: I don't see them beating anyone in the top five, but I think they could pull off an upset over someone who sticks six through ten. I
3: think they could
4: beat someone like a Twin Cities or like a Terminus. I think those are both top ten right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, like,
3: yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if I'd
4: favor them,
1: but
3: like, yeah. So, yeah, those are definitely teams that I think they could take.
1: Um, I mean, they just played in range with Gambits, and Gambits is, what, seven in the eighth yeah. man? Yeah, Seven?
0: now. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We were 20 before. <laughs> we were 20. We were 20 on USQ.
3: Right. USQ is USQ, though. Alright, um on to the next one is Dobbies. Let's talk about Dobbies. Um I drafted a game or two of theirs and we played them, obviously. They actually look, I think, a lot better than last year. Um mm-hmm. the brown dude who keeps is pretty solid. Like like I recognize him because he's the only other brown dude I've seen on the West Coast ever having a green headband. Is he from Sac State? I think
0: so.
3: I don't know. He's I mean like I've seen him around and he's played, but Uh, he played last season too and he was okay. But this year he's like carrying a lot more of the load and I saw Sean Booker not playing as much, which I think helps them for games that they need Sean Booker.
2: Um, I also really liked seeing Sean Booker not keeping. Like I feel like he was pretty effective as an off-ball chaser.
3: Yeah, because this dude is playing much better and is like distributing much better. And like, like I thought he was drawing attention to himself a lot better than I saw him last year and I think that helps like, they are They have another guy who's, like, brown, but not my kind of brown. He's, like, I think he's Hispanic brown. I don't know. But he was, like, he was really quick. So, now he has, like, two options that are Sean Booker, someone who's going to take it and, like, put it in the hoop on a no-bludger, and this other dude who's super jukey and, and quick. So, that paired with their beaters, like, actually being able to get control and actually being able to, like, hold on to control, they looked, they looked all right to me. Like, from where they were last year, it's a great improvement.
1: I don't know. I didn't get to watch Dobbies at all, but they went what? They went one and seven on the weekend, right?
3: Yeah, yeah they, only beat Cascadia. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they didn't get a bid. I think at least not all no, the no.
1: base. So they could they could try for an at large, but it would be a rough showing in nationals for sure. I mean, they look better. I agree. I think just looking at their roster and just from hearing what people said, I think they're probably better than they are last year. But they're still not there yet to even win two games at the nationals. I don't think. Or any of their losses I think in range. Watching um, good question
4: because I think farmers beat him out of range, and that was the team right above him. So I don't know if they kept anyone
0: else close.
3: Farmers was 150 to 60 off of the catch. So that he would
0: make stops on defense.
4: I think they should be in a good position for an outlarge, large because I think there was something like four and four going into the weekend with their record. Mm. But, um, so I don't know if they apply for it. They probably will get it with how many how community, community teams, teams go. are
1: there even in USQ.
4: The two, I, I think, but not all of those went to their regionals and 24, did to go. So, so, so
3: 32 yeah. overall?
4: 32 community teams, according to the, uh, the standings. but That includes like scorpions who aren't going to go and like Chicago Houston, and Victoria. So Yeah. yeah. Nomads. So like only 16.
1: But what Cam's saying is that almost everyone from the community is going to get to go. So if yeah. they apply for an at-large, they're going to have a good chance.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, um, we have Cascadia. Um, yeah, We. what did you guys think of Cascadia? Yeah. Play a lot of games. No word here. Yeah, yeah fair. Um, I don't know. I did not like how much shit they were talking for being a team down hundred plus points on us that's my only qualm with them I mean I practice with them pretty frequently and um I think that's a team that uh, at least at least from the competitive standpoint so because I think a team has two elements I think you need to obviously have some camaraderie and a community built around your team but I think from the competitive standpoint I think they just lack an identity and I think they, that's a team that lacks a, a specific direction that they want to go to and I think that um yeah I think that hurts them Tournaments, <laughs> and that's a, it's as simple as that. Like if they put in more effort into being a competitive squad, they'd be a competitive squad, but they don't, and I think it shows at a tournament where teams are really gunning for a bid.
1: Yeah, uh, I didn't get to watch them again. I only watched teams that I refed, and I thought I, I think I was refing most of the higher quality games. So
3: ooh, I mean, nice. they're,
1: that's a bit
3: like... snuck in there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what? They're a pretty brand-new team, right? They just lost Austin Sharp, who was kind of their founder, so.
3: Yeah. Um, It's obvious when they play that the load falls on the experienced players, and I think it's too significant of a load to have without, like, consistent practice and, and, like, a directed play style.
1: Pre-split, they would have been, like, middle of the pack, right? But they're playing against all these community teams that have played together for years and years. What's that? I said pre-split, they would have been, like, middle of the pack. Like, they would have been better than all these college teams. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, How many college teams do you think they'd be
3: better than? I mean, the B teams, all they, the winless
1: ones, the five winless ones, going into the tourney. Or four of them, and then they'd they would have beat, be on par with Utah
3: Raptors, right? Yeah, they would have beat NAU and then lost to Utah Raptors. That right would one. be NAU. Yeah, NAU did not look very good this weekend.
1: Sure. NAU couldn't put up points.
3: I think Stanford could have beat them? No, no. Yeah, Stanford would not beat them. I mean, the like. Jake and Sai and Ruthie do a decent job, but the quaffle players are just not there. Like, I know Michael Mendelson is solid, but he's very small, and, like, it, like contact will be a problem. Um, so I think, like, any team that you'd give them trouble with that. But, like, those beaters are, will clear enough lanes against a Stanford or against a NAU or yeah. How much do they That's play those good. top
4: three together? I didn't get to watch them.
3: Um. I don't know. I don't think they play them particularly in a... I, don't, I, I really don't know the Cascadia lines um, well enough to be able to comment on that. But, I, I, I mean, there's definitely some strategy that they could change, but I don't know if that's something they even want to do. Like, they seem to be a community team that, that just has fun playing Quidditch, which is, like, respectable in its own way. Like, you go and have fun, play Quidditch, because it's fucking Quidditch. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, all,
1: right, all right, next
3: up. Next team. Is Gambits, uh, <laughs> oh. nice, sweet. Um, uh, you guys yeah. tell us your opinions uh, that are like I mean the two of you that aren't on the Gambits. Tell us your opinions. Don't make me
1: cry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, did you get to watch them at all, or because I, I mean I reffed them twice.
4: Um, I got to watch the Breakers game and then pieces of the Raptors and Lost Boys games. So some of their like tougher ones on paper at least. Yeah,
1: I reffed Rain City vs Gambits and Vipers vs Gambits. So
3: pay okay.
1: for the two toughest ones. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought you guys looked a little bit underwhelming against Vipers. Um, I don't know what it was. I think you guys are just in a little bit of a funk. Was that right after the Breakers game on Sunday? I think it might have been. I think it was. It was yeah. Same the it was the second. Yeah. Game. It but was. I can't remember if it was that game or I think it was that game, not the Raptors game, where Tony was in a little bit of a funk and he was trying to do a little bit too much himself, which he can be prone to, and he that was. Yeah, he was kind of just throwing some some wild passes that would oh. just, like, fall short of the hoop, and I don't know. Oh, I it's not when, when Gambits get angry, like, they're a little bit easy to frustrate, mm-hmm. and then it shows, and they don't move the ball nearly as well as they do. But when Gambits is clicking, um, I mean, it's hard to tell against West opponents because obviously it's not the caliber of team we're going to be facing at Nationals, but they can definitely zip the ball around. I think your beaters are good enough to contend on a national level. Um, they certainly won't dominate high caliber teams, but I think Jared Bailey, um, and then obviously Aaron, Alyssa and Danny are as good as any female beaters out there, I think. Um and Kevin is prone to a little bit of overexcitement sometimes. He tries to, you know, okay. throw the ball from too far away, he tries to go hit people and whatnot. But I think they're good enough to hang and if Tony can be on then it's on. And if Tony's off then no one's really gonna, you know, save all of his shots that just hit the post and fall
3: (laughs) i will say on the jared bailey note that i think jared is probably the biggest pickup for i mean jared was probably in theory the biggest free agent this summer (laughs) jared's
1: (laughs) crazy jared's crazy good good. and he has crazy endurance
3: i mean jared is straight up i would say in contention for one of the best beaters in the west no doubt in my mind oh
1: yeah absolutely um he's got a good attitude too
3: i think i think like he's his positioning is great. I mean, his I, like my only flaw with Jared is honestly that he's 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 too good. Like against some of the teams we played, like n- no disrespect to any of the beaters that Jared schooled, but like Jared will get you control every single offense. Um, and the only problem is like sometimes he will get caught up trying to get off like get us all three bludgers, and when it's like Jared just stay quaffle and we'll be fine kind of situation. But beyond yeah, yeah. that, like honestly, like. His positioning is great. Decision-making is great. Um, his like Offensively, he's a great beater. Defensively, he's a great beater. Mm-hmm. And to boot, um, he can seek. And to boot, yeah. if we need him, he can chase too. Um, and he he's, does a great job at all. Yeah. And they all
1: have a good lineup of seekers too. So
3: Yeah, and, and it helps really bolster our Seeker lineup because it was... Um, I mean, you're suddenly adding, going from just Margot, Grilinski, and me to Margot, Grilinski, me, Grant. Uh, Jared, Tony, um, and you can really like throw that seeker weight around. Even Steve. Yeah, yes. yeah we, I mean Steve Seek too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, on
0: your other point, I do think we we got to work on our ball movement because we have absolutely. so many drives that die with one person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm just thinking. I don't remember what game it was that UCLA played, but you guys had one game where you were just zipping the ball around so much, and we don't we don't do that enough. I think maybe we don't need to, but but we don't do it as much. I think Tony is just not a person
3: that uses a lateral option, and I think that's. It's not just Tony though. Like it's it's everybody. Because that's just our playstyle. Like our beaters are based around Tony, and I think even when you ball carry it, the rest of the team still plays like Tony's ball carrying. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like I think it really helps us in some games, but I think it really hurts us in some games, too. And it's and not a very difficult thing to fix for our
1: team.
3: Yeah. Well, that's but. the thing.
1: I think if you guys are calm, cool, and collected, I think you can compete with anybody. But I think it's going to be hard to keep that team calm and collected through a whole two-day tournament. And mm-hmm. if you run into someone like Cavalry and Tony gets frustrated and makes three stupid passes, that's your chance to beat Cavalry gone. So.
4: How many people yeah. are you missing? I, I know agree. Mike Richardson wasn't there, right? That's it, I
3: think,
4: Yeah. Right? yeah. Is Draggers um, going to be there at Nationals? Or?
3: Yeah, Dragers also wasn't there, who is uh, another one of our Seekers. So, like, this is the deepest Gambit roster that there has ever been. Um, and this is the, like, I don't know. In, in theory, this Gambit roster has every tool at its disposal. It's up to us to really utilize those tools. Um. Yeah, I mean, on the, other than that, I think we deserve regionals, and I'm glad we won regionals, because uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> two years <away laughs> is not nice. Um, on to the next team.
1: Who's next?
3: Rain City Raptors.
1: Yeah. Did you get to watch them, Cam? Yeah. I only left the game his Gambits, yeah. I think.
4: Um, I saw a little of the Gambit's game, and then I was scorekeeping for the game against Breakers, yeah. uh, that they were kind of lucky to come out with a win with. Yeah. Uh, I think they got like a 10-second catch to send it into overtime and then caught during overtime. Um, and they looked like they were being outplayed a little bit, just because the breakers are pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I think Brandon was a big ad for him, Brandon Handy. Um, I think even though he's like kind of out of shape, out of practice, he, he might be their most talented male beater. Uh, and he had a hurt ankle, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he was hurt. One other good little. male
1: beater. I don't know any names because they're Northwest. This is the first tournament I've been to with them in like three years, but they had a male beater number 22 who also looks solid. Jacob Keith. Yeah. Okay. Um, Keith?
4: And then they've got, they've got pretty solid female beating with uh, Molly Bossian, Megan Boyce. Against um, us in Tempe, there? they actually ran a double female set that looked really good, uh, which they just used against us because we only ran double male. Um, I don't know, their chasers are all really big and physical and pass well. So they're, they're pretty yeah, solid. That's
2: really good ball movement is one thing I feel like I noticed a yeah. lot anytime I watch them. They're really good at keeping the ball moving. And Even if there's failed like, drives, they'll try to just keep the ball, getting it to other people until eventually they'll just pull off the
3: score. One of the things I really liked about Rain City practices and everything was that they, first of all, make all their chasers do beta drills and beaters do chaser drills. Um, so it's a collective drill session, I've noticed, which is great, I think, because it really lets you understand what the other position is like, because most of us, well, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of us start off with one position and kind of just stick to that thing and get really good at that thing and never really understand how to be a lead at another level, another position. Yeah, And I think that, like, the crossing of drills over really helps you. Um,
1: That's a, that's a key that's a key thing that from other sports. I don't think people in Quidditch do enough because, like, when I was in soccer for 15 years, I learned to play every position because it helps to know what your other positions are going to do because then you know what they're looking for, where you want to give them the ball and stuff like that. And I don't think enough people in Quidditch can play all the positions on the field.
3: I agree. Um, they don't really yeah. have
4: any utility players either, do they, Ren City? Like, for the most part, people kind of stick where their positions are. Yeah.
3: yeah they, they. I don't think they change over much, but – I think it lets them do smart offenses a lot more um, compared to a lot of West teams. Like ball movement is something I've noticed at Rain City practices and just in the gameplay that they, like, like Craig said, they move the ball around a lot and they move the ball around well. Um, they all practice very effectively how to move the ball around in specific situations. So I think that like really shows when they play teams that kind of just don't. Like a lot of West teams just don't put that much effort in into, into into ball movement uh on the chaser end or really adjusting to to different kinds of offenses and, and like West teams are just terribly bad at adjusting to things. And I think it it shows when a team like Rain City can throw multiple different looks at you. Like they have um like they have Ross who just is the big dude number twenty-one, thirty-one. Um thirty maybe.
2: Thirty-one, yeah. Ross is, Yeah, what's Ross's last
3: name? Um Vonsh.
4: Tram van Hopt or something like that. Um, Some
3: Dutch looking. He's like, he's obviously has an athletic advantage over most drivers and uh, most defenders and will drive through them. Um, But they can also throw someone like Jake um, at keeper who like is quick, um, has really good passing and can catch and dunk very well. So like you can throw him in at multiple different positions uh, as a wing chaser, as a behind the hoops floater, and he does a pretty solid job at all of them. Um, and teams can't adjust to that in the West. And that, that, that really showed against teams like, um, teams like Long Beach or teams like Lost Boys. Obviously, like, when they played them, it was raining. And obviously, that's an inherent advantage that Rain City has. But, dude, like, I don't think there's anything to be taken away from Rain City at this weekend. Uh, like, that's a team that puts in effort and has athletes on their team. But I think they, I think, I do think, I will say this without Handy, I think their result would have been impossible. That's the take I'll put out there. Uh, I think Handy was extremely. How many games did he play for them? Buying the Lost Boys game, I think he played all of them. Uh, How did they
2: do on cards? Because I feel like in our game at least, they had like, what, three cards? Like one beater got a red.
1: Yeah, their female beaters were aggressive with some back contact in that game especially.
2: Yeah, I just don't know uh, if that was just our game or, like, throughout both days were they kind of, like, off with cards? Because and... I feel like that's something I definitely noticed to hurt them in our game. Like, to be down a beater for four minutes with a double yellow and another yellow is I'm not pretty sure. extreme.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how they did on cards in, in the rest of the tournament, but it's it's... <sighs> I don't know. They're definitely a team that I think benefited from um, other teams not having seen them, and I yeah, think for if, sure. if if the community side of Quidditch had paid more attention to Rain City, the results might have been different. But I think when you suddenly, as a West Community team, are faced with four out of six players being athletes, West Community teams don't know how to adapt. Um, and 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 I think Rain City to boot also has good ball movement.
4: A big shout out to uh, Drew Satorius too. He's like a he's a pretty legit seeker. Really big
3: guy. He got oh, him some quick sorry. catches. All his, all the big catches with him with a bum ass angle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you want mom? You can put
3: you can put your phone number on there. Yeah, mom. Put your fucking phone number on there. Um. My <laughs> bad. It's all good, dude. Um, next up is uh, Vipers. Ooh, that's a good one.
2: They're definitely uh... not the team they were last year. Like, I just, I feel like going into this, or not this weekend, last weekend, I was really just so used to the team I remember playing against in the NorCal tournament with UCLA. Mm-hmm. But people, like, throughout after day one, like, I remember Duran talking about, like, warning us about them. Just being like, yo, they're doing a lot better. And then them obviously showing it their scores. Right. And on the field, you could just see it seemed like everybody was just a little bit better. Like, people were trying to improve and, like, it actually showed.
3: Sam Fishgrunt needs a shout out because he, um, I thought he looked significantly better than he did last season and his experience really showed against some of the lesser experienced beaters in community Quidditch. Because he, I thought, did a great job protecting his, like, honestly, he, I thought he did a great job protecting control. Um, and yeah. that really helped with uh, with against, especially against like other middle level community teams that honestly, it just comes down to who has the better beaters because everyone has one dude who can drive. Um, and it's really just about who has control and can clear the lane.
1: Yeah, I think Sam is a very smart beater. Um, The problem is the Vipers don't have anyone that's exceedingly athletic, and so they can thrive against these mid-tier community teams in the West, but the problem is the mid-tier in the West doesn't really translate anywhere nationally, because I feel like everyone's either far better or they can't compete. So they might end up in that middle ground of like, whatever it is, like, 12 or 14 to 20, but there's really no upside past that, I don't think.
3: Right.
4: Um, they were the biggest surprise of the weekend to me. I think going into the, this season, there were, like, five Vipers I could name, and then two of them left for breakers. Uh, Misa Elizondo and John Vong. So, like, I, I thought that they were maybe at risk if they had a bad weekend of not being one of the top seven
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh then they pull all that off. I don't know. Who's, who's the seeker that's getting them all those catches? Is it Colin Casey? Is that one of their guys? Alex
1: Patel seeks, I think.
3: Yeah, no, Alex Patel seeks him. Sure. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a decent team. Um, I just don't think they're going to come out on top nationally just based on how everyone has athletes. At least most people have athletes on their team.
1: Yeah. yeah, The West is good for them because they get competitive games with teams that are of similar skill level. And the yeah. West is unique and then it has all these community teams. Like, we had 11 potentially going to regionals, and other regions have, like, four. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a good place for them to thrive. But nationally, I don't know if they can show up.
3: Next up. We've uh, been going we for are... a
0: while.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, farmers, right? Yeah, Farmers. Let's talk about Farmers, because they played um, all but a couple games in range. Um, and I don't know. What do you, you guys think of Farmers?
1: I expect them to do well because they have a couple of experienced beaters and uh, Michael Vong and Tommy Brown, certainly has played for a while and has a solid arm. Um, and they have a couple of female beaters in Shayla Zink and uh, I forget who else they have. And um, they got one of the Santa girls. Okay. Yeah, Anna Huang, I think. Yeah. So they had a good beating crew. Um, not much in the way of depth, not much in the way of a seeker, but enough to hang in there with those West Community teams. And obviously, they pulled off two dubs, which is. I think pretty representative of their weekend. I know they're close with a lot of teams, but it's going to be really tough to close out those games when you're playing with as few people as they are without a clutch seeker. So I think that was a good showing for them this weekend. Don't expect them to make waves at Nationals, but I think they'll have a great time. That's what farmers always do.
2: Yeah, but this just a fun team to play against too. Like even though that was like probably the muddiest game of the day that we played with the game, like...
3: The Tommy one you ruined like, an offense because you're an idiot? <laughs>
2: Yeah, dude, don't I do that way really too much, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, just, like, Michael and Tommy are just really fun personalities to, like, interact with on the pitch.
4: Yeah. I mean... Bong's a good fit for Farmers, I think, too, because he's... He, he likes adapting his style to his partner, so he's a great, like, fantasy team beater because yeah. um, he communicates well, and that, that works well for Farmers when they don't really practice.
3: That's actually a really good way to describe the way he beats. He's, he's like, a top fantasy pick because he's very... He's very adaptable. Um, I did think that, like, I don't know, their keeper Evan. I think it was Evan Baxter, and I don't know if that ben name. Baxter. Is... Baxter. or I believe. The guy
1: um, that looked a little bit like Ben
3: Harding. Yeah. Yeah, he looked yeah. good. Yes, yeah, but like, like burlier. Yeah. yeah definitely better. Better. Someone told me he had something to do with Michigan Quidditch. He um, did. He, of them, he yeah. did them. Yeah. Baxter. Okay. Back in the day, so he's like old Michigan, yeah, he was solid. Um, I thought having someone like that really helped as a as an alternative to Dan because I mean Dan's a pretty one dimensional player um, and you can't really win too many games off of that one dimension um but I think having that different look paired with uh players like vong uh really helped them yeah. Their, Although, uh,
4: their big miss this weekend was Porter Marsh, I think, because yeah, he's, was... he's a solid beater and he's a really good seeker that I think could have closed out some of those in-range games.
3: I mean, uh, yeah, like, they were not a bad team at all uh, in terms of the personnel. It's just, like, you need to have a seeker to close games out, and if you don't, you lose. Yeah. Um, nationally, how do we think they're going to fare? Poorly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, if they, even, even with if an ideal roster. Out. Yeah, I think they're gonna get. Yeah, I think they're gonna get swallowed up. They're pretty have,
1: They'll have a good time. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you, it's it is basically a Merc team, and like you can't really expect to like win national with a Merc team. So, um,
1: I don't think that's their goal either. They just want. Play yeah, I don't think they care too much either. shows is probably the big the big thing for them.
4: I think they could win a game or two against some of the like real low, low level uh, community teams, which would be nice. But
0: yeah, yeah they should they too. even if their roster is.
3: Uh, next we have Long Beach Um, so I know Long Beach had a kind of disappointing weekend um, and I'm sure they're bummed out about that as is but I do have for once a very positive thing to say about Long Beach Um, in the (laughs) scenario uh, I think I think think this Long Beach team will be fine I think this Long Beach team needn't panic about how this regionals went down because I think like Last year, their the play style was very predictable. Um, it was Berger, and then between Michael Aguilera and um, Anthony, it, it was up to them to make offenses happen, and that's about it. Um, they didn't they didn't use all the dimensions that they could use. And I think this year is kind of different, because different they've lost Anthony and they've lost Michael Aguilera, um, like two of their biggest physically dominating quaffle carriers. carriers. Um, and I think not having that has been a little difficult um, i remember at the start of this year when they were like ranked at number 10 i remember telling danny uh, that i didn't think that they should they should be there i think they don't have the quaffle depth or really the quaffle play style that requires that is required of a top 10 team but i think that's a good thing for them because they're kind of figuring their play style out and having they have different looks at keepers now um, they have different kinds of ball carriers now they have uh, they're using Shea a lot more. They're using Austin a lot more. Um, they actually had um, what's his name?
2: Austin Sharp, Shea Hillinger. Uh, yes,
3: good, good one, Craig. Thanks. <laughs> they had who's who's um, I forget it, it's Jackson, um, Jackson Schultz, Jackson Schultz there, who's also added a good amount, a good element of keeper depth to their. Yeah, place. that was a
2: really interesting. Seeing him play like just he had really good hoops defense. He was just a really different look. I feel it's like a completely different. He's different look he's a tall blonde guy.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: He's a soccer guy from I mean, US. And practice.
3: offensively he gives them oh, a, I was like, football.
1: Uh, he could be football. I don't know. He used to wear a bunch of soccer jerseys. Where's he from?
4: Has he always played for Long Beach or
1: No, he
2: like funny? started practicing
1: with them like last year? He's that? been around. He dated someone he's who was in the UCLA program.
3: So so between him, between Jackson, between Miguel, and between uh, Austin at keeper, they suddenly have three completely different looks to offer. Austin as someone who's kind of more conservative and will spread the ball, but also like force a drive if need be. Um, Jackson, who's a great ball distributor, um, great shot stopper. I wouldn't say great, but at least at least solid um, shot stopper and solid ball distributor uh, for the West. And um, Miguel, who's incredible at driving and and um, may not have the best ball movement but like brings size to the pitch that Long Beach severely lacks other than maybe Joe um, so I think like they're figuring that play style out and I think that's okay like if you really think about it this Long Beach team is playing completely different Quidditch than they used to and I think that's awesome and I think that's like a really good thing for West Quidditch going forward because it's a program first of all they have like several, like, people in their program. They have, obviously, more than 21 people in their program. And um, this is, like, a playstyle that you can develop. Like, what makes the Gambits good is the fact that we have a specific play style that, that we work with. Uh, what makes the rest of the West teams not good is that the West teams don't have a playstyle. It's kind of just like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Um, and that's not good. And I think, I think Long Beach... Shouldn't be disheartened by this. Um, last year was an overshoot. And I think this year is an undershoot. So if you even it out. I think Long Beach is on pace to be, a, to be second place. At least. If not compete. If not compete. I just don't think they, they're there yet. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Their play style is young.
1: The one thing yeah. I'll say about Long Beach. Is I think they need to find that gear. Where they can put teams out of range. Because I don't think they put teams out of range. And I think they're better than a lot of the teams in the West. That they mm-hmm. just... Lolly-gag- not lollygag, that they just play slow with and play in range because that's their play style until they totally upset the big teams like QCB and Bosnia and whatnot. Um, but if they can find that gear with players like Shea, Hillinger, Joe Robles, Austin Sharp. If Austin Sharp, I know he's an athletic guy. If he can accelerate the pace and run some breaks with Shea or something because their beatles will certainly force turnovers. So
3: I, I think find can use- in
1: a good spot.
3: I also think they should use L more as an off-ball lateral option as opposed to a behind-the-hoops or even, like, a cutting option because yeah. L is solid. Like, she'll move the ball around for you brilliantly. She'll take a quick drive and a shot if need be. She'll take, make a pass if need be. Um, like, you have these options, and I think Long Beach is just figuring out how to use them, and I think that's awesome. There,
0: yeah. there are a lot of fourth chasers that don't make you rotate your defense. but L, exactly. L makes, you, rotate L
3: makes you definitely rotate your defense.
0: What, yeah. what do you think about them? Because they don't feel threatening to the game it's this year. What do you think changed that?
3: Honestly, I don't think that's on the end of Long Beach. I think you guys just
1: got better. Yeah, I um, think
3: we just got better. I think we literally took their best, their main ball carrier, so that threw the offense for the loop. And I think I think it's more beater. I think it's definitely more beater play in that. Um, so I will say this about Doug. Doug was obviously like one of the biggest transfers over to Long Beach, and that was like all the hype about Doug, but. I think here's, here's what I'll say now that we're not playing, game, uh, not playing Long Beach anymore. Here's what Doug does that is not good on defense. Um, Tony will drive up, but will obviously have, say, Steve running up in front of him to make the trade. Doug will come in from the side and have the perfect angle to come in and clip Tony's heels as a beater. Um, but Doug chooses specifically to trade with the beater that's protecting Tony's side, uh, which happens to be a player like Steve, who is pretty good at catching Um, we'll either like lose the bludger completely on the catch and also get beat on the trade, or we'll um just miss the beat and then we have two and they have none, so we have three and they have none, and we'll just take the drive. So that's, I think, that's like literally how we've beaten them every single time. Um, but I do think that Doug making that press forces the offense pretty significantly to make a play, um, which is fine. Which I think is the right move to make for Long Beach, but I think um, unless they're following it up with making a quaffle play, it's there's no point to it. Uh, so someone needs to step up to Tony and be making hits on Tony at that point, or whatever. Burgers like also, done right. From what I've heard, yeah,
2: yeah. But on the topic of law, uh, loss, what Long Beach beaters like—they have really solid other players that just don't get recognized as much, like with Sam. I don't know his last name. Weiser? Sam Weiser. Lauren. Margo. Sam Weiser. Um, Mikey from San Diego. I don't know his last name. Oh and Carl Ferrar. Yes. Like, yeah, they're, um, those three are all really solid beaters. Like, they, they don't always, like, they'll make flashy plays sometimes, but they're solid, and they just don't get as much recognition because you hear the names like Berger and Doug all the time. But they're really solid and good beaters as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Hashtag make Carl
0: famous. Yeah, man. Oh, wish
2: I Ocean, put Oceanside on the map, Carl, because I couldn't do it.
0: Anything else to say about Long Beach? You want to go into
2: Lost Boys? No, it was interesting seeing uh, someone play. Like, I know George was an interesting pickup for them. Uh, I don't know where he came from. Um, well, like just how they ended up convincing him to play Lost Boys. But there's also, I don't know, there's something about the game that just didn't. Obviously, Lost Boys are just very different this year from past years, and it really felt that in the game against them, and that like it wasn't much trouble for us. Like it really was just like put it put I don't it away
3: through actually. Well, um, I'd say that the Lost Boys game was interesting because I think that's a team where the where a good chunk of the players know how to play against the Gambits. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, that's why Lost Boys like, played like they had a shot at winning that game. And for a while, it was in range. Like, for uh, the first, like, almost seven, eight minutes, it was uh, in range. If Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And, and and I think that comes from the fact that this team is, if you really pull the crux of the players out, top-heavy, um, like, the players that will make damage on the gambits are the players who are the first string. And I think after that,
2: yeah,
3: it's difficult to keep up. Uh, and I think that's definitely lost because the first string of the Lost Boys today could have been very easily s- spread out between the first two or maybe even three strings of Lost Boys pass. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that like really hurts them against deeper teams, um, which is probably why they struggle against Rain City on top of the rain. Um, like... You obviously can't play a thirty-plus minute game, um, you know, in the rain, where everyone's slipping and all that shit. And apparently, there was terrible reffing and all that, um, without using a second string. Um, and I don't know how much they did use their second. I assume they used their second and third strings, because Long uh, Lost Boys seems like the kind of team that wouldn't just hog play time for their first team. Yeah,
2: from- well, I feel like they rotated out a good amount of sets against us when we played them, like, we saw a lot of people playing, a lot of different people playing minutes.
3: Speaking of Lost Boys, there was a question that was asked specifically about the Lost Boys in our uh, viewer, uh, listener questions, uh, which was, was Lost Boys' performance as impressive as they made it seem based on how poorly everyone was talking about them this year?
0: Um, I don't think I have the quid, like, my pulse on the quidditch gossip enough to answer this question. <laughs>
3: I mean, I mean, like, Lost Boys are reasonably very happy with, with their performance, which I think they totally should be. But if you really look at that question and look at the gameplay, I don't know if that's a sensible question to ask. Because on day one, they played the Gambits. They played Farmers and won. Um, they played Long Beach and lost um on a snitch
1: they 20 when they, they lost
3: lost lost on a snitch cat and they played yeah. rain city in range and lost so if you really look at it that toughest games were against rain city who got second place long beach who's obviously a very competitive team and unfortunately ended up lower but is in the top three conversation
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh farmers who played literally all but two of their games in range and the Gambits who won regionals, so their day one was very different than, for example, the Gambits' day one where we played the bottom four teams. So um, day two, when Ga- uh, when Lost came out and beat the Dobbies out of range and um, beat the Breakers and then beat Cascadia out of range and beat the Vipers in range, um, I think they placed exactly where they should have. I just think that Beta Core is solid and I think that Beta Core is competitive and I think that Beta Core will take you. Further than their chaser core will, yeah. And at the end of the day, if you look at West Teams, the beaters are where the games are decided.
4: Mean, Earlier in the season, some of those ugly losses, I think, were largely because they were missing just ball handlers, and having Kendrick and Fernandez and George Williams all there this weekend gave them a lot of like just people they trust with the ball in their hand because they've always got a lot of great support chasers, like uh. Lindsay Simpson and Cornelia Zana and uh, like Princeton and Nguyen and just people that are good on the edges but not really Johnny someone that you want Rulon, taking the ball up.
3: Yeah, and they have Johnny Ruland who's a good yeah. good decision maker. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, nationally, I think we didn't talk about Long Beach either and we should get back to it but I think Lost Boys should be fine. I don't think they're going to repeat the Nationals' performances fast but I think this is definitely a team that should get, make day two and based on their matchup go further.
4: Yeah. I think they're supposed to have Fernandez for nationals, I wanna say. Which will be big because they gotta they gotta get catches against yeah. and they're gonna have to win in range games to go to get day two. Yeah.
0: yeah. Especially since their problem seems to be their depth. Like having right. just, even just one more Cito good character ball like, carrier. makes such a
3: difference. I feel like the West has not adapted its playstyle and it really shows. And this is kinda of what I wanted to talk about. At because everyone is like, Oh, West regionals was just so uh, like underwhelming because Uh, The teams that were supposed to win won, and the teams that weren't supposed to win didn't win. Um, But I think there's a lot to be noticed in West Quidditch at regionals that I think has gone very understated. And I think that pretty much is along the lines of how West Quidditch has not improved in the last three years. The play style has not adapted. The same players are making the same plays they did three years ago uh the players around them may have like changed a little bit here and there but the play style remains the same and i think that's bad i think that's terrible and i think like that's gonna that that's what keeps hurting us at the national stage um we don't have a distinct play style we don't utilize our beaters nearly as much as we should Um, we also don't have the best ball carriers in the west i think that comes comes from the lack of direction of practices in West Quidditch. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and this is going to go into a little deeper of a topic, but I think, like, I've noticed that, that there's a huge split between the leadership and, um, and the players on the team. And I think, like, administrative people pick up the, pick up the slack on, um, on the end of leadership a lot more than the athletic players do. And that's well and good as long as the, the administrative players have the right mindset about the team. If you're going to alienate your athletes, your team's not going to perform. And vice versa, as an athlete, if you're going to, if you're going to X out the non-athletes, then you're going to not have a team. You're going to have seven people, and that's about it. Um, and I think, like, communication needs to be... Like, I feel fucking unbelievable saying this. Like, talk to, talk to the other adults on your adult sports league that's really all I have to say. Like I've had multiple teams talk to me about the dissatisfaction with their leadership. And it's unbelievable that Mm -hmm. we're 20 plus year old um, playing a fucking fake sport and unable to tell someone that, Hey, let's put our good players in when the good games are happening. And let's put our bad players in when the easy games are happening or whatever strategy talk needs to be beyond that, which I think there needs to be a ton of Um, like, I think clarity between leadership and players needs to, needs to happen. And I think once that happens, you will ruffle some feathers. You will upset some people by telling them that they're not going to play that much in certain situations. But at the end of the day, you will have better results. And with a year of better results, you'll have better players. And with another year of better results and better players, you'll have even better results. And I think like, Long Beach is one of the few teams that I think has done that pretty decently. Like I haven't heard very many complaints from the Long Beach end in terms of leadership in the last couple of years, um, I think they've done a good job. And I think like, uh, I mean, Gambit's have always been, um, uh, I wouldn't say dictatorship, but like kind of like a top down effort. And I think like that's a good thing because it provides a particular direction for the team. And either you work-
2: Everybody that goes into the Gambit's knows exactly what they're getting into.
3: And if you do want to perform at a national level, have the conversation, have the difficult conversation. And, and I promise you a year from now, you'll be happy that you did. And that, that seems stupid to say, but it's, it, it really is that basic.
4: I won't, I won't out who it is, I guess, but I was talking to some uh, captains of a West community team during regionals. Um, and it just seemed from talking to them, like there was a lot of confusion among the people that they captained, people on the team about like lines of who goes in when, uh, and both of those captains that I was talking to play a ton of minutes, and so uh, I don't know. It just seemed like they're they're a good team. They did well, but it was it was kind of surprising to hear that there was so little organization, um, and like yeah, like you said, clarity between leadership and and the players about how things were going to look come game time.
3: I mean, you know why Utah State won regionals? It's because.
0: Of salt and laughter too, a scoop of kids to add the spice, a dash of love to make it nice, and you got too many cooks, too many cooks, too many
2: cooks.
1: Everyone adds an extra scoop. Mix an ounce of smile so sweet, a dash of cool to add the
4: heat, and you got too many cool.